Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 126 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Let me start off the show by saying there are 126 ways to partition a decagon into even polygons by diagonals. I thought I'd just get that out of the way before Alois has a chance to look bored. But it is Technique Tuesday, and today we'll be talking about forehand tossing variations. For some discussion, we'll talk about the effects of exercise later in life. And in the questions, we'll discuss playing against tall players, attacking low balls, and whether your technique needs to change when using faster equipment. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Wazero is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Good evening, Jeffrey, and uh, good evening, Ping Skillers. Good to be here. It is indeed. Did you like the way I snuck that uh, little fact about 126 into the introduction so you wouldn't get bored? I did notice that, Jeffrey. Yes, well done. Well done indeed. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a, we've got an interesting show today and it is Technique Tuesday, Alois, which I rather enjoy. So I think we should just get stuck into, into that. And um, today we're talking about forehand topspin variations. Yeah, I think this is it's a it's a really um, good way of taking your game to a next level. So you know, we we all learn that the strokes and um, learning how to play forehand top spins, but then the next step is to just be able to vary that top spin a bit. And you'll be surprised how many easy points you win by making those subtle changes. So. Instead of just you know playing your normal forehand topspin, sometimes just speeding it up, sometimes slowing it down. And the other thing that you can also do is just change the amount of spin on the ball as well. So, so firstly, thinking about speeding it up and slowing it down, there's two, two main ways to speed the ball up. One is by increasing the speed of your stroke. So if this is your normal topspin stroke, say at bat speed, to get the ball faster, you can just increase the speed of that stroke. So if you think about your start position and your finish position, and say it takes randomly 0.1 of a second to get from start to finish, what you're trying to do is to get that time um, a little bit quicker so that it takes less than 0.1 of a second to get from the start to the finish. The really critical thing in that situation is to, is to make sure you maintain your technique so I see a lot of players when they um, try to play faster, their technique really starts to get sloppy and they, you know, finish really low and all that sort of thing. So that's that's number one. That's the that's the first way to increase the speed. The other way that you can increase the speed is just by flattening the contact a little bit. Now, um, I think this is always a trap when you start to think about flattening the contact that. Again, a lot of players tend to get really flat on the ball and so then the ball doesn't have any top spin and the ball just sails either into the net or off the end. So when we talk about flattening the contact, it's not that sort of contact, but it's just flattening it a little bit. So you're still generating some top spin on the ball, but instead of a brushing action or a fine brushing action, we're just going to open the bat up a little bit and still brush the ball through. And you'll you'll find that that will increase the speed of the ball as well. So, so yeah, that's interesting there, Alois. And I guess um, particularly with that first option where you're just increasing the speed of your shot, 
you say sometimes people, you know, the technique goes out and it's important to maintain the technique. Uh, some helpful uh, tips there is to stay nice and relaxed. Yeah, def- definitely staying relaxed and just really focusing on those um, start and finish points of your stroke. If you if you can do those two things, then yeah, you'll start to get that um, stroke uh, moving a little bit faster. So yeah, and I think we've got some videos to talk about this, Alice. I know in the advanced forehand topspin, you sort of talk about it a little bit and. It also being, you know, the use of the legs and the waist and stuff just to get the bat moving a bit faster is helpful. So I guess that's a good video for people to watch. Yeah, it, it is because, um, yeah, with, with that advanced forehand, we also talk about, you know, relaxing the wrist and starting to use the wrist, utilising the rotation of your body and your legs. So, yeah, that's, that's a good way to also increase or think about increasing the speed of your stroke. Um, but then we also want to think a little bit about Faster is not always better with um, with your with your top spins. Um, so sometimes slower is better, sometimes faster, sometimes less spin, sometimes more spin. So the variation is the thing that will win a lot of points for you. Um, a lot of people think that you know I've got this forehand top spin. I'm just going to try and hit it as fast as I possibly can, and you know, like the, your opponent might actually like the ball coming faster at them. So. So variation is a real key for, for advancing the level of your top spin. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember playing some players that seemed to have like this really incredible forehand and it seemed incredible because it was fast. So they were just always playing this fast, powerful forehand, but they never had any variation. So after a while, you could start to get used to it and you could start to block some of them back. And as soon as you got a few balls back, they started to, you know, introduce some errors into their game. And I think that by having that variation, it would make it harder for, for your opponent. So it is a really, yeah, important skill to learn. Yeah, definitely. And, and probably probably something that we don't put enough importance on um, in our training as well. So, yeah, the slower ball can be really effective. Yeah, so what are some good ways um, to, you know, emphasise this in our, our training? Is it just a matter of going out there and thinking, all right, I'm going to concentrate on, you know, trying to play one fast and one slow, or is there something really specific we can do? Um, I, think it's, I, I think it's just putting a bit of attention onto um, the speed of the shot. Um, varying or, or alternating between one slow and one fast is good. So in your, in your training drill, so you might do a... Um, a third ball drill where you serve, get your opponent to push the ball to you and you make the attack. So with that, think about playing the first one fast and then the next one slower and just um, just getting used to making those two variations will really help you to, um, once, once you get into a game situation, to be able to utilise those two different paces as well. Yeah, and I think also, you know, focusing on that, like you said, can be quite enjoyable, like to learn how to, you know, generate some more spin or how to hit it with a bit less spin. And there's a lot of variations and, you know, it can really occupy your mind and there's a lot to think about and a lot to enjoy while you're learning these variations. Yeah, and then the other, I suppose the other variation that we haven't really talked about yet is just the placement as well. So so then thinking about, you know, where you're putting the ball to. Um, so... Backhand, forehand, middle, um, shorter on the table, deeper on the table. So yeah, all those, all those sorts of things. You know, just it just really broadens the scope. And as you said, just 
makes the training more interesting and the, and the game much, much more interesting as well because because you're not j- then just thinking about playing a forehand topspin. You've got all these different options of slow, fast, play it there, play it there. So, yeah, it does. It makes the game much more interesting. Give it Excellent. a go. All right, so in your next uh, practice session, have a think about your forehand variations and try you know, doing some faster ones, some slower ones, some with more spin, varying the placement, and uh, then come back and let us know how it went and if you enjoyed it and if you think it's helping you to improve. So that's a wrap for Technique Tuesday. All right, Alois, let's get on to some of the ping skillers questions of the day. And the last one we had was, what is the scariest thing you have ever done? Yeah, for, for me, heights is no good. I don't like it. But um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm really good with flying. But there was this one flight in particular, and it was in Fiji. It was going from Nandi to Suva. It was a little plane. And just for some reason, I just didn't feel safe. Probably one of the reasons was, as we were taking off down the runway, the co-pilot had his door open. Um, and, you know, he's, we're, we're, we're bumping along down the runway, you know, getting ready to take off. And the co-pilot's got his door open. You know, we're just about to take off. Doors closed and off we go. But, like, going over those mountains, if anyone's flown from Nandi to Suva, lots of mountains, little plane, plane just doing this. And I just felt like my, my for the whole time, I was just hanging on to my, my, my leg, like my knuckles were white until I realised, it's just probably not helping, you know, like me grabbing onto my leg is just not doing anything for this plane staying up. So I tried to relax a little bit. So, yeah, that was a bit of a scary experience. But as I said, I'm really good with flying in general. Um, but, yeah, just this one flight, whoa, man. I remember all of us all of us got off. None of us knew each other. There was, was probably only, a, I think it was an eight or ten-seater or something. And we all just got off and looked at each other and goes, and it was just like, wow, you know, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting yeah, so story. Yeah, what about you, yeah. Jeff? I mean, the, 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 the bridge climb inspired this um, question of the day. So uh, were you scared at all going up there? Uh, the bridge climb, I did not get scared one little bit. It was, it was I mean, it's really well organised. You feel quite safe and it's quite wide, the bit you're walking up and there's a handrail and you're clipped on. So, I mean, there's there's no danger. And as they said, oh, they actually did make a few jokes about, you know, don't fall off. With, you know, it would be a lot of paperwork for me if you did. Um, but, you know, they've been operating for, I don't know, it must be more than 10 years and taken, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people up and no one's ever got injured. They said, well, no one's ever died. Um, they said the most injuries happen back in the locker room after people are all relaxed when they get back and, you know, taken off suit and hit someone in the eye or something like that so it, it's really safe i didn't feel scared at all um and i'm not oh, too good heights generally but i think you know i do get really scared on like rides where you, you have to drop a long way those ones yeah they really scare me <laughs> and um and yeah, yeah, no, height's, height's no good. But um, we've had a couple of uh, ping skillers get on and uh, tell us about their scary experiences. So Naranjan said, the scariest thing that I've ever done is I was um, 
trekking with my friends and we were climbing a cliff. I was really excited. I just started climbing. Only after I'd climbed a couple of feet, my friends realised that I hadn't used any safety measures and they were scared. Um, So they asked me to jump down, but, like, he was too scared. Um, It was about 15 feet. So he just like he was, he couldn't jump, and for about five minutes, you know, they were trying to tell him to turn around and slide down. In the end, he just jumped down. So, uh, so that did scare Naranjan, and that would have scared the bejeebas out of me too, Naranjan. Um, and Dita said so a couple of things. So what, pro- he said probably the thing that others would find scary is that he's been swimming in a river which was known to host caimans and piranhas. I'm not sure what caimans are, but I know what piranhas are, and I certainly do not want to be in a river with piranhas. But uh, the boatsman has, had assured us we were swimming in a part of the river where would, we would not be attacked. Um, yeah, so the fish don't swim very well, so they couldn't possibly move to another part of the river. <laughs> yeah, Dieter, I'm not sure about that boatman. Um, yeah, I'm like... If there's if there's mention of piranha and water, and I'm just not going to be in water, so uh, yes, that would scare me. But he said, what has actually scared him the most was the day he had to go up and give a training on object oriented programming to a bunch of programmers uh, without having any experience with the subject whatsoever. So I don't know what got me into accepting this assignment. At noon, I asked a fellow coach who was an expert in the subject to jump in and take over. I was literally sick with stress and had to stay in bed all day. So, yes, um, certainly um, doing presentations can be really scary for a lot of people. Yeah, I can relate to that. And especially if you don't know the topic and then you, you're doing it to a bunch of people who are kind of know about programming and, a, you know, just a different type of programming, yeah, that would, that would stress me out too. Yeah, and um, and I, I do remember my school days, and it m- mightn't be apparent to people watching these shows and things now, but what that I you went to school, <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> that I would never ever say a word in class. Like I would, I I would never even put my hand up to a- answer a question. And so having to do presentations in school, um, yeah, that was like, that was an absolute nightmare for me. So, uh, yes, didn't like that at all either. So I I relate to you too, Dieter. Indeed. But how we all grow, that's great, you know. Well, thanks, everybody, for sharing your scary moments. Uh, Some, yeah, really interesting uh, stories there. All right, Alice, so the Ping Skillers question for today is, can Mima Ito reach number one? So, you know, she's taken two pro tour titles this year alone, um, had good results at the World Championships. So um, we want to know your thoughts. Can she reach number one? Can she overtake those Chinese? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link, and leave a comment on this show. We look forward to hearing your thoughts about that. Yeah, she's, uh, she's certainly... Uh shown a lot on the world tour hasn't she and um and now uh, there's another there's an other event starting today it's the oh, croatian the croatian open uh, world tour event and me marito's entered in that so she's not the number one c but um you know let's not write her off for perhaps uh, her third title for for the year and she's already up to number 11 in the world in the may rankings alloy so that that's you know very impressive 
right. Now, you wanted to talk a little bit, Alois, about the effects of exercise later in life. Yeah, so interesting. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of, there was a question, a bit of discussion on uh, one of the Ask the Coach questions as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting that, um, that that table tennis, I think, you know, is a really good one for being able to um, to develop uh, just um, balance, um, just uh, getting out there and with the heart rate, um, you know, getting getting something happening uh, with your body, and it's certainly much better than being. Um, you know, sitting around and doing nothing. And for older people, I think table tennis is just fantastic. It's, you know, it's one of those things that um, you can do at an older age. I'm just, um, I'll just go through and and just uh, read a little bit from um, an article I found as well. So um, it's, um, they did a little bit of research and it said, um, a little exercise late in life may help men live longer um, so it's new research from um, Norway. So even in the elderly, there is a lot to gain by being moderately active as compared to being sedentary. So um, said the study uh, lead author Inga Holm. Um, the study of old men found that increasing physical activity benefited lifespan as much as quitting smoking. So you know, when I read that, I thought, wow, that that's great, isn't it? And table tennis is just perfect. It's just such a good sport for people of all ages because you can do it at whatever level you want, and it's really safe as well. You know, I mean, it's um, it's not like there's no physical contact unless you're playing with a really rough doubles partner, um, and and it's just it's just something that you can do for a very long time. So yeah, so that article really um, stood out for me, and I thought it'd be good to good to share. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And we'll put a link to that article in the show notes. So if anyone wants to read it, they can take a look. Um, in a similar topic, it reminds me, Alice, of an article I read um, a long time ago about an experiment where they told, like, um, some 70-year-olds to pretend like they were 60 and act like they were 60. And, you know, they told them to do that for a month. And after a month, they saw all these health improvements and I guess it's, it's similar. It's because they, you know, were trying to act younger so they were a bit more active and, you know, got a bit more exercise and suddenly it improved their, their health. So, yeah, definitely um, exercise is helpful and also, you know, having a, you know, an active mind and, you know, feeling young in the mind is helpful as well. Yeah, def- definitely. You know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of... Um, research on you know, on the health benefits of, of exercise but yeah table tennis perfect absolutely perfect and that's that's a really interesting one jeff like uh, it's yeah the the mind is is so powerful isn't it to just be able to um change change your thinking and to be able to then um yeah have have the health benefits as well I'll, i really like that i really like that story indeed indeed all right well um, let's get into some questions. Um, well, before, before we do, though, Jeff, um, yes. Dargavis Vasquez has got on and said, good morning, my dear friends. And so he's done this through the Q&A app. Um, he said, guess what? We're today between nine people here at home watching and eating popcorn. Ta, very good program. So I'm glad, glad that, uh, 
that he's <laughs> he's there, almost like we're in the movies, Jeffrey. Um, almost sitting around eating popcorn, and you could send a hug to Vasquez, Alejandro, Mario, Olive, my sister, who is in love with the dark Camila Vasquez. Oh, geez, all, all happening. Um, yeah, so so lots happening. Lots happening. In, yeah, and they're thinking all the people that are watching at their house, a lot of them there, and um, yeah, they want to see the big hugs of all Brazilians. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so we've got um, Leticia, Olive, Eduardo, Silva, Patricia, Saints, Paolo, Matai, geez, John Smith. John Smith, really? That doesn't sound very Brazilian to me. And Bianca Sanchez Silva, wow! There's a lot. There's a lot of Brazilian people out there watching. That is great. Excellent. Thanks and, for watching, Gargavis, and all your friends. It's uh, great that you're uh, supporting the show. And getting ready for the Olympics and Paralympics just next year, coming Ooh, up. Very exciting. All right. So let's get into um, a question from Todd, who says. I play a guy that's about six foot six um, and he's got excellent reach both forwards and from side to side. He plays with a basic bat with pimples and his game is simply to return everything without spin and work his side to side on the table. So do you have any strategies to help Todd beat this guy? Tall guy with good reach using pimples and not much spin. Yeah, so um, so Todd... a couple, couple of things. So firstly, um, tall players tend to have really good reach, as you said. And so like playing to the wings is really quite comfortable for them. But playing into their middle can be can be more difficult because uh, because of their big levers, they've got to find it harder to get into that middle position there and to get out of their own way um, to play that to play that ball. So so middle can be good. Now the fact that he uses um, pimples or you know, very flat rubber, um, with that you want to think about either playing a slower topspin or pushing the ball at them as well. So the faster you play at those pimples and those flatter type of rubbers, the harder it is for you because the ball just comes back faster to you and, and gets you out of position. So slowing the, the game down, using some variation of course, but yeah, slowing the game down with lots of topspin and, and backspin can be a little bit more difficult for them. For them. And, and also just, yeah, remembering that position into the middle as well can be good. Okay, good tips. And so I guess the, the key there is when you slow it down to still uh, to generate plenty of spin. So don't just slow it down, but slow it down with lots of topspin or, or with lots of backspin. Yeah, uh, yeah. In general, in general, lots of spin. But I mean, sometimes there's a variation. You know, slow it down with less spin as well can be can be good. You know, just it, it just depends on the feel of the game and and what um, the tall player um, likes or is getting used to as well. Variation is good. You know, we talked about it earlier in the show with the forehand top spin. Variation is good. It can really win you a lot of points. Excellent. All right. That's um, hopefully, Todd, that advice helps you out. And um, yeah, get out, try a few of those tactics and let us know um, if it works for you. Now, um, the next question is from Pasquale. How do I say that, Alice? Pasquale. Pasquale. Pasquale says, I'm having a problem attacking low balls. The problem is that when I want to play a shot fast, the ball comes long and I'm able to attack it, but sometimes it goes lower than the net. 
I'm using the topspin technique, but I can't do it fast. Yeah. So, so it's okay in those situations to play the ball a bit slower, you know. So if the ball does come through really low and they might have a lot of backspin on it, don't be, don't be thinking that you've got to play that ball faster. Sometimes just spin that ball up. So if you're not using speed, you can use spin. You can use placement as, as weapons to try to win the point. So when, you, when you're playing that ball slower, then it's a little bit more important to get that placement right. So hit it to the, the blocking side that they're a little bit weaker at. Um, sometimes shorter on the table, sometimes longer on the table. So the, again, the variation is really important off that ball. Um, but don't be um, drawn into thinking that, you know, you've just got to hit that ball faster. Because if you make a mistake or if you only get, you know, one out of ten of those shots on, it's just not a percentage that you, that's going to win you the match. So so think about just slowing that one down a little bit and, and getting it up, lifting the ball with a bit more top spin. Yeah, I mean, even if you're only getting 50% on, they're going to get some back as well. It's not good percentages. You really want a higher number than that. And I used to find LSU off those ones, especially if they get it low with a lot of backspin, that that's, that slow, spinny top spin was, you know, a better shot to use because it was a higher percentage that I would get on. And it's still a difficult shot to for your opponent to return. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got a video on the slow, spinny top spin, so I will... Um, Put a link in the show notes. Have a look at that, uh, Pasquale. And, um, yeah, don't be afraid not to hit every ball fast. Like I said and we talked about before, variation is important. So try out the slow spinny topspin, especially against those heavy backspin balls that are quite low. All right. Um, next question is from Thies, who says, Playing with carbon blade, it seems that I need another technique for short pushes because the ball goes into the net. If I just lift the ball, I can keep it short, but any forward movement makes the backspin crawl into the rubber and dive into the net. So I guess the question really is, Alice, do you need to change your technique when you're using a faster bat on these short pushes? Yeah, so so what uh, Tice is saying there is that the, the ball is, because the bat's really fast, the ball bites into the rubber and comes out really quickly and it's going straight into the net rather than up. So the, probably the, the first thing that you can think about doing is just changing the angle of the bat a little bit, so opening the angle up a little bit more. And that way um, the ball is going to uh, go a little bit higher and it's going to go over the net. So really think about opening that up. The other thing is with the, with that fast bat, just really softening um, your hand and the and the grip a little bit, just to absorb a little bit of the speed. Um, so yeah, so open that angle up, brush underneath the ball, and keep your hand nice and relaxed. I mean, it is it is one of the dangers of using a faster bat. You know, so think about think about not being too fast with your with your equipment because that's one of the dangers that you're going to um, encounter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is good advice. Um, we do talk about not using a bat that's too fast for you, and that way, you know, you can play that control game, especially off serves and returns, which is so important in table tennis. So thanks for the question, and hopefully Alois's uh, words help you out, Tice. Um, now, we've had a few questions um, from people using the Google Q&A app live on the show, which is great. 
If you want to ask a question live on the show, just go to Google and type Google plus ping skills and you'll find our Google plus ping skills page and there'll be a little Q&A button on the event for the show. Click on that Q&A button and you can ask a question and we'll answer it. So Daniel's done that and Daniel said, and I like this question, Alice, he says, is it possible to set up a third ball attack using different side spin serves? Do specific side spin serves lead to predictable returns to either my backhand or forehand side? Yeah, at, at a very basic level it does, Daniel. So um, if, you're, if you're putting you know, this side spin on the ball and your opponent isn't very strong, then the ball is going to tend to come to this side. But the practicality of it is as you start to get better, the receiver will be able to adjust um, with the amount of side spin and can still put the ball wherever they want with the, with, um, with the placement. So, yeah, so at the basic level, yes, it will. Uh, the ball will come back uh, quite predictably to where you want it to, um, with where the side spin is going to take it. So if you do this side spin, the ball is going to go out that way off their bat. If you do this side spin, then the ball is going to go that way um, off their bat. So, yeah, at, at that basic level, yes, but... The practicality of it is that at the next level, it's not going to make a lot of difference. It's more about um, just making a little bit more confusing or a little bit harder for them to, to get the touch to put the ball exactly where they want the ball to go. Yeah, that's, that's well summed up, Alois. Because, yeah, once people can read the spin on the serve, they can counter that spin. That, that means they can place it where they want to. So, yeah, so to get your advantage, you need to have some deception and some variation and maybe confuse them a bit. And, you know, sometimes that deception is from putting less spin on. Sometimes it's from more spin. So that's why it's super important to um, work on your serving table tennis. It's a huge part of the game. And that is a good segue, Alois, to our Ping Skills Premium Membership because we have a whole uh, course on serving. So to help you improve your serve, and we talk about uh, different types of serves, like the pendulum serve, the tomahawk serve, high toss serve, backhand serve. And we also talk about the different types of spins and you know how to get an advantage with your serve. So if you're looking to improve your serve, take a look at our Ping Skills Premium Membership, and I'm sure it will help you improve your table tennis. And you can do that by visiting our website at pingskills.com. All right, Alois. Um, this is an interesting name. Again, someone from using Google Q&A, and they've called it Chrome Exploit. That's their name. It says, how do you top spin? Do you spin over the ball or the side of it? Yeah, so definitely when you're, when you're developing your top spin, really think about coming straight over the top of the ball. So by going over the straight over the top of the ball, you're going to generate pure topspin. The pure topspin is going to make the ball dip straight down onto the table. If you play with some side spin, you're going to lose a little bit of that dip. You have to lose a little bit of that dip. And so a little bit of that safety of the topspin. And the, one of the real advantages of the topspin is you've got a lot, a lot of safety with the ball dipping over the net. So, so definitely to start off with, Try to get pure topspin by just coming straight up the back of the ball rather than around the side. 
um, of the ball and, and getting side spin. Besides, the side spin is something that you can um, develop later on, but only once you you really learn how to top spin the ball correctly, hitting straight up the back of the ball. So we've got lessons on the forehand top spin, but we do have a lesson on the side spin as well. Um, you can take a look at it and see see how you do it, but only once you've developed the straight top spin. Yeah, excellent. All right, and I'll put a link to the forehand top spin in the show notes so you um, you can see it, and we'll put that up straight afterwards on our website. So yeah, go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link, and you'll find all of our Ask the Coach shows there. All right, Alois, well, um, that wraps up episode 126. Um, if you do listen to this show um, via a podcast or via iTunes, make sure you rate us and uh, that apparently helps us out um, and gets us more well-known. So that would be helpful for us if you could do that. Go and give us a rating. And thanks, everybody, just for watching the show. And thank you, Alois, for answering all the questions. And thanks, Jeffrey, and thanks, Pings Killers, and thanks for everyone joining in tonight. It was uh, was great, good discussion. So uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. We will indeed, and we're probably going to just be forty five minutes later than normal, ten fifteen Australian time. Um, but yeah, check out a Google page. Why is that, Jeffrey? Why are we going to be later? You tell them. Tell them why. Well, I'm going to go play some basketball. That's why. So um, that could be interesting because whenever I play other sports, my wife says I tend to get injured. So hopefully I'm going to come back after basketball and not have, you know, pulled a hammy or done a calf or, you know, hopefully I'll be fit as a fiddle. Well, we, we'll see. And, you know, talking about that exercise of, for, uh, for older adults, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just see, Jeffrey. We will indeed. We will. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be fighting fit. (laughs) See you then. Bye, everyone.